On this episode, we've got a brand new trailer for Capone, plus our reviews for The Hunt, Jane Silent Bob Reboot, Pixar's Onward, and Extraction. Plus, we've got the MDF game as well. All this and more on this upcoming Trackers episode of Midnight Double Feature. Welcome back to another Upcoming Attractions episode of Minato Feature. What, what is happening? How's it hanging? What's going on? Upcoming Attractions, are you sure it's not a special feature? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't I, know. I'm, I'm just trolling him, guys, uh, as I have fucked up the take before. Uh, I'm good, man. How are you? I'm good, dude. I'm good. I'm surviving. You know, uh, you know I, I'm living for the podcast this like these days. Like you know, I'm just like, oh, when's the next one? When's the next one? I'm kind of like, I'm kind of like jonesing for it, you know. Like <laughs> now that now that I'm kind of like, I'm basically sitting in front of my microphone every day, you know, working from home, and just kind of like looking at it while I'm like working. <laughs> and I'm just like, <laughs> when do I get to do that again? Oh, <laughs> uh, maybe it's a sign. Maybe we got to do more during this period. We'll see. We'll oh, see. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Um. Guys, thank you so much for joining us here at Midnight Double Feature. This is our upcoming attraction episode. We're going to go through this week's news. We're going to go through uh, a couple of reviews, actually. So a, a decent amount of reviews. Um, you know, trailers, whatever, what have you. And then we're going to play what's called our MDF game, which is where we ask a question uh, in our community, which is called The After Party on Facebook. Go follow it. It's called The After Party. We ask a question of our community. Uh, everyone chimes in. This week's question is, what is your favorite comedic duo? And that is your question, Matt. So um, that was a that was a really good one. You know, this is a, this was a really hard one to pull together. So it we'll was. be playing that game, yeah, right at the end. Um, so, uh, yeah, and if you're also, not already... Also, we got a yeah. competition, don't we? Yeah, so that's, that's what I was going to say. If you're not... Uh, if you haven't already reviewed us, uh, please go rate and review us on iTunes. We currently have a competition going. Uh, if you write and review us on iTunes, uh, screenshot that review and send it to midnightdoublefeature at gmail.com. You can go into the running to win your very own special uh, episode, uh, feature presentation episode. And basically that's me and Colin or Danny and Matt, you know, depending on availability. Uh, we're going to choose your movie and we're going to go through it sequentially. We're going to crack jokes. We're going to, you know, we'll talk shit about it. We'll hype it up or whatever. Uh, but basically you get your own special episode dedicated to you. Um, so yeah, that's pretty cool. That, uh, closes on Star Wars day. So May the 4th, that's when that, uh, competition closes. So there you go. I just realized we always said that every hundred episodes will cover a Star Wars episode. If someone picks a Star Wars episode, that completely fucks up our plans. So, uh, (laughs) if you want it early, if you want it early, this is when you do it. This is when you do it, guys. Yeah, Um, that's when you do it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, to start off, um, on a quick downer. Um, we have a few RIP shout-outs. That does not sound like the appropriate way to say it. Um, but um, Are you going to fuck up these names? I probably am, so can you do it? Yeah, sure. <laughs> so the first one up uh, quite a while ago, uh, but you know, seeing as we record fortnightly, uh, Brian Dennehy. And if Brian Dennehy, if that name sounds familiar to you, uh, Colin and I just literally just talked about him when we covered Rambo First Blood. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, Colin talks him up quite a bit in that episode. He's not really, he's not really an actor that really had that much of a, of a mark on me, but, um, that's, that's, that's pretty big, man. Like, I, like, I feel like that's a huge one. I, I know I'm not doing him justice, Yeah. but man, he was great. He was actually great in that movie. He's, I mean, to be the villain in the first Rambo film, come on, dude. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. And the other one, uh, it, I'm going to fuck this up. Don't try. Don't try it. The other one is Irfan Khan. Um, if you don't know Irfan Khan, if you don't know that name, I, I guarantee you, you've seen him because he's mm. been in some massive, some ma- massive movies. Jesus Christ, uh, he's been in Jurassic World, he's been in Life of Pi, he's been in uh, The Amazing Spider-Man, and he's been in the Oscar winner Slumdog Millionaire. Um, he tragically died literally just hours ago, um, and that was that was uh, due to cancer at the age of fifty-three. So that was that was really sad. Um, and you know, uh, my mum and dad, they. They they love their Bollywood stuff, uh, and he's a big, big, massive Bollywood actor. So um, you know it kind of re- re- hit them really hard. So yeah, that that uh, that honestly sucks, man. Like because uh, you know whenever he does show up in a movie, he's got a, quite a good presence, man. Like honestly, his 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 moments in Jurassic World were actually quite. You know he's got he's really charismatic. So mm. that sucks. R.I.P. Um, speaking of. No, I'm not going to do any. Tra- I'm not going to do any segues. Um, we'll just go straight into um, uh, a bit of a, a surprising topic. Movie you never thought we would talk about on this podcast: Trolls World Tour. <laughs> We're film, not, okay, so here's here's the a thing: a film we Pe- never reviewed, and we don't right. plan to either. For the record, yeah, we don't plan to. And people who know me know that I will never talk about trolls and never watch trolls. But yeah, well, what's the what's the topic of this of this uh, of this subject, Matt? Well, we kind of have two um, two pieces of news which kind of in direct response to each other. The first one's really interesting. Actually, both really interesting. Um, so Trolls World Tour was one of the universal films. Um, one of, I think as a few off the top of my head, um, uh, Invisible Man. Um, I think The Hunt landed in that category. Uh, There's a few films where they were just like, okay, we only got a few weeks of screen time in cinemas. And now, like, COVID-19 is going to fuck this up. So, let's just put them early on digital distribution. Um, and Trolls World Tour, I fucking smashed it. Um, Trolls World Tour, the sequel of um, the lovable Trolls film, uh, made more money in three weeks on video on demand than the first film made in five months in theaters. Uh, this is a big deal. Um, a lot of people have been talking about how the video on demand service could potentially change um, thanks to covid um, in the future and see what like our long last impacts are. But um, from my understanding, and this is coming from someone who's done very little research, so uh, <laughs> take everything I say with a giant boulder of salt, but generally the agreement between film studios and theaters are, I think uh, the studio will recoup their costs from the first opening weekend, which is why it's such a big marketing push for that. And then I think the majority of ticket sales goes back to cinemas for as long as they want to keep it in cinema for. Um, and then that's why there's usually that's why it's such a long wait between it's in cinema and then on streaming servers, video on demand, whatever. Um, well, not only so, that, not, not only that, yeah. sorry, just, just speaking as someone who used to work at the cinema. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know, I know the cinema um, in terms of merchandising and in terms of like, you know, uh, food sales and things like that, like losing a, losing a big movie like that, um, like trolls that is going to potentially push merchandise and, you know, I guess result in lost money from, for the cinema. Um, like I can see why they're mad. Like, you yeah, know, and, and a kid's um, movie pushes merchandise. So that's, that's like, right. that's not like just doing like a, a small budget. Like that's, that's a big deal. But here's, here's one difference that I want to mention, um, between, uh, between trolls world tour and movies like the invisible man and the hunt. 
The Invisible Man and the Hunt. Well, actually, I don't know really. I don't really know about the Hunt, but the Invisible Man actually got a theatrical run before the theaters shut down. Uh, Trolls World Tour did not. Trolls World Tour went straight to VOD. Didn't come out in cinemas at all. So that's yeah. why. That's why. Uh, that's that's one of the main contributing factors that the cinemas are really really pissed off about. They're like, oh wow, they skipped their theatrical run entirely and just decided to go VOD. Okay, yeah, cool. and and that ties um, into the 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 next part. But before we do, I just want to read this quote uh, from this article I see on Slash Film. Um, with nearly five million rentals, like that's a lot. Obviously, it's like the it's the perfect storm of like COVID nineteen. Um, releasing this yeah, movie fam- at the right families time. Families inside, you know, families like, are like, inside. And, and, this you know, film like would not have done as well. Yeah. yeah, this film probably wouldn't have done this well um, if released by that way, probably. But yeah, with nearly 5 million rentals, the digital release has in three weeks generated more revenue for Universal than the original Trolls did during its five-month theatrical run. According to a person familiar with this matter, its performance has convinced Universal executives that digital releases can be a winning strategy and may diminish the role of theaters even after the pandemic passes. Um, which is kind of crazy. And I'm seeing another quote from the head of NBC Universal saying the result of Trolls World Tour has exceeded expectations and demonstrated the viability of PVOD, um, said Jeff Shell, head of NBC Universal. As soon as the theaters open, we expect to release movies on both formats. So they're thinking that kind of like fuck cinema, we can just release digitally. And when we say digitally, we don't mean Netflix and stuff. We mean like uh, rent it for for whatever, and you see, like yeah, I paid video t- on demand. Yeah, yeah, and so for example, later today uh, in this episode, I'm going to review the hunt. To watch the hunt, the hunt land in the same category as this. Um, they switched it up from usually, I think it's the rentals usually like a couple bucks um, for a rental for 24 hours. This instead, you pay about 20 bucks uh, Australian. By the way, it might be different in the states and stuff. 20 bucks Australian, and we got it for 48 hours. Um, I will say it's 20 bucks I wish I could have back, but we'll fuck, get into that review later. That, dude. <laughs> like, honestly, I, uh, the same thing happened to me with Just Mercy, except I made sure that Just Mercy was a purchase, like uh, not not a rental. Mm. Like, I, I, I was well, like, okay, I'm going to buy this movie. Like, you know. What's the interesting thing, right? Because with this format, they're, they're not allowing buying. It's rental only. It, and it depends. It depends for some movies. Like, no, like no, I no. Think- I'm, say- I'm saying these, this Universal run, this, this new run from oh, Universal. Okay. Yep. They're all only available for rent. And they're basically the cost of a ticket purchase. Um, yeah. So basically, you're paying the same amount of money, except now the funds are mostly all going to the studio. So they're making more money. So that's a big thing to consider well, as you're well. You're paying like, less. You're technically, you're paying less. Well, yeah. And there's no travel. There's no popcorn. There's no that. No, but I mean, like, here's the thing. If you buy Trolls, you buy it once. And if you buy Trolls at the movies, you buy four tickets. Oh yeah, true, true. And if you're a fam for a family film, that's a big deal. Yeah. So, exactly. so, so yeah. Um, but this leads to our second piece of news to do with uh, Trolls World Tour. Yes, guys, this is the Trolls special feature episode. Dude, let's um, hurry we're talking about this, nothing please. but Trolls. It's killing, me. It's <laughs> uh, killing me. This is interesting. So now, in response, AMC theaters have been like "fuck you," and now apparently they refuse to play Universal films in wake of Trolls World Tour. Um. What is this going to mean to Fast and the Furious? I need to know ASAP. <laughs> Vin Diesel needs to know. Yeah. But no, honestly, this is huge. This is a huge. potential game changer. Uh, AMC is a cinema line, is a theater line, uh, the biggest cinema line in the world, by the way. 
and it said that they are not showing the Universal films in the US, the Middle East, and Asia. That is a huge market that they've just lost. Um, like this is this is this is honestly like game changing news. I don't. I honestly think that AMC is going to back off because, I mean, AMC is a cinema chain, like we just said, and that's like cinema chains in general are probably going to go eventually the way of the dinosaur. So, um, like for them to just cut out like an entire studio from their like I guess product line, then. That's not really a viable option for them. So trust me, man. Like they're gonna, like this is this is big news now. But I guarantee you, they'll back off. Yeah, I, I imagine um, it's probably just they're they're, they're bluffing. Um, ho- I hope they're bluffing for their sake. But they, I think the idea is they know that the cinema industry is under threat. In fact, I think they've known for a while. Like they've known ever since Netflix hit the game and kind of fucked up Blockbuster. They've been like. Oh shit! Are we just as expendable? And I would say it's not. I think the the movie theater is an experience, um, which you don't really get like from something like Blockbuster. However, a lot of people always complain. You know, movie tickets too expensive. Um, I know in Australia, I know what's like in the state. I know in the states they've tried different things like Movie Pass and and all these other systems of like trying to Netflixify movie tickets. In Australia, we had um, I think in this last few years we got a dramatic slash in a lot of the pricing because uh just 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 some people just try to be more competitive than others um but but here we've got we've here we've got like uh i think these guys are like fuck if we don't do something crazy to fuck them fuck their shit up we've got to like we've got to like try and hold our ground here uh if they back off i'm sure there's gonna be some negotiations going on or or whatever but this is still kind of huge like if one of the biggest chains out there but also maybe they're playing the plans of um of Universal, you know, maybe maybe Universal like they they already talked about possibly just releasing straight to um video on demand. Maybe that is actually more beneficial to I, them. Who I, knows? I, I don't think that's going to work for every film though. Like I honestly think this is a family film thing. If anything, like uh, it, it's going to be beneficial for family films. But movies like Fast and Furious and stuff, there's no way. There's no I way they release. There's no way they release a two hundred million dollar movie straight to VOD. Yeah, like. Marvel is going to be safe as fuck. Um, yeah. I, I feel pretty sure, but like it makes me think about smaller, smaller films, like not indie, but like films that are done like ten million dollar budget or something like that. Something like The Invisible Man. Maybe they could. They just forked more money into the marketing rather than the distribution situation. Maybe it could be beneficial. I hope it's not. Honestly, I, I prefer going to the movies. It's fun. Like. You and me, man, how many times on a Sunday afternoon if you text me randomly and go, Oi, want to check out this piece of shit film? We're okay. And the amount of times it's <laughs> actually pretty good was like, oh, fuck yeah. Um, like, that's such a great experience to have. And I love, I've always said to people, like, some people have always said to me, Why do you go to the movie so much, Matt? Why do you go to the movie so much? And I'm like, I'm not going to see the movie most of the time. I'm going as an excuse to interact with a friend, see my friend, you know, get dinner, then go have a movie, get a movie, talk about after. It's a social experience. It's like when you're Absolutely. a kid and you went to the ice skating arena or when our parents went to the roller skating arena or but when our ancient, ancient ancestors went to the Coliseum arena and watched people fight there. <laughs> uh, it's always about an arena. Uh, now, it's, and that's, entertainment. Uh, it's entertainment. Yeah, it's it's escape, entertainment. Yeah. Yeah. And like, it's just, it's just like going to a concert or something, um, except it's cheaper and probably closer to home. So yeah, that that's really interesting. I think. Um, is there anything else you want to touch on that? Not really, dude. <laughs> like, I yeah, mean, just this is I, a this is a massive like ongoing thing. So yeah, and I think um, it is really interesting to see what else is coming direct to cinemas. I know a movie um, 
my girlfriend's really excited to go watch is Scoob, the new um, Scooby-Doo reboot. And that just got announced to direct on video on demand, um, which is kind of crazy. But at the same time, like, she's like, fuck yeah, we could see it sooner. That's cool. Um, and and Onward, which we also will um, uh, review later today, that went straight to Disney+, Plus, which um, kind of makes me go, okay, I guess my Disney Plus account isn't useless after all, after all, because ever since the Mandalorian stopped, I've, 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 I, I haven't know. touched that shit. Yeah, their, 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 their lack of content is is quite staggering. Yeah, you know what it is? It's not the lack of content; it's the lack of non children content. Like we get and go, oh yeah, I fucking love Disney. Yeah, but, but then I realize Disney. I don't have kids. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't, but exactly. then I realize I don't have kids, so like I don't want to watch kid movies all the time. Right. Uh, but let's move on. Um. Uh. What's one of your most anticipated films is Dune, so I thought I'd give you this uh, space, this platform to talk about these images from Dune. Um, are you excited? Are you creaming your pants? How are you feeling? Yeah, we don't really talk about, like, you know, whenever a movie releases its photos and shit, we don't really talk about it, but I was like, hey, if you get to talk about Space Force photos last week, then I get to talk about Dune this week, <laughs> so, um, That's yeah, fair. man. Uh, honestly, yeah, creaming my pants. Cannot wait, dude. Uh, Denis Villeneuve is an absolute genius. Uh, this film, he also announced, is going to be uh, one of two. So the book is going to oh. be split down the middle. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't realize that. Absolutely, cool. yeah. And um, you know, now like, I thought we'd get a poster or a trailer. Um, you know, given that we got these these photos released, but. We didn't, but like honestly, it gives us a little bit of a, a look at the aesthetic. Uh, you get a look at the still suits. You get a look at the uh, like Arrakis. You get a look at um, Caladan. Yeah, like honestly, like it looks it it looks awesome, dude. Like even on the back of Dune, right? Like it it says before there was Star Wars, before there was uh, oh there was something else. I can't remember something really in, like inspiring. Lord of the Rings or some shit. Probably no, no, it was science fiction. I can't remember what it was, but it was like. Like it was like there was Dune, and I'm just like, oh man! Like this was the inspirational launching point for Star Wars. So like, I I can't wait to see what else. Oh, uh, I was, I got one here. Um, before well, Star so. Wars, before Game of Thrones, Definitely. there was Frank Herbert's legendary sci-fi novel. Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah, and um, honestly, uh, Oscar Isaac in that photo, have my babies, bro. Have my <laughs> babies, man. God damn, bro. You got <laughs> Oscar Isaac and Timothy Chalamet. I, I think I feel like. This theater is, it's going to be like 50 Shades of Grey all over again. And Jason with the, Momoa. With the women react. Oh, is he in this too? Fuck. Yes. Yeah. Is he in any of his images? I'm not. Yeah, he is. He's in one of the photos. Oh, fuck. There he is. Okay. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Damn, Jason. How you doing, yep. baby? So excited, dude. <laughs> Cannot wait. I'm so excited. But this is a movie that, you know, this and Tenet are the two movies this year that absolutely require a theatrical experience. 100%. And I'm going to argue Black Widow because it's going to be so weird if a Marvel movie's not in theatre and I'm yeah, up there on absolutely. day one. Yeah. Um, I'm let's sorry I compared that to Marvel. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, that's fine, dude. Uh, um, look, let's talk about the new trailer we got for Capone. Um, is this coming to theatres or is this a... I think this is going service? straight to... Yeah, I think this is... I don't, I don't know which service, but I think it's going straight to streaming. My um, gut's telling me Hulu, but I feel like I'm making that up. Um, but do I'm you know who's it. directing this? Uh, yes, uh, Josh Trank, right? Josh Trank, the disgraced um, Josh Trank. This could be his comeback. And when I, I, I knew he was working on something. I didn't realize it was this. And when I saw, oh, Josh Trank with Tom Hardy, I'm like, oh, sweet. It's with a big actor, a well-known, loved, great actor. Because I was scared after Fan Four Stick that his career would have just 
like, you know, they would have like sort of blacklisted him and shit. Because for those who don't know, we won't go into too much detail. It's definitely worth Googling. Um, he had a lot of um, uh, beefs with uh, the studio on this. On, on I'm sorry, Fantastic Four. And it was a whole nightmare. He was basically locked out of his own edit room and they had to fight over it. And on the day of release, he pretty much tweeted that the movie wasn't his vision. And that pretty much just completely was basically essentially seen as a backstab in the studio. And they pretty much, I think, don't want to work with him now. Um, I think, was it Fox? I think it was Fox. Um, 20th century. Yeah. yeah, 20th century. But um, this is done without them, obviously. And it's looking kind of cool. Um, some more Tom Hardy's always nice. But what are your thoughts on this, man? You know, it's funny because, uh, like, just before this trailer came out, uh, I was I was watching the movie The Untouchables with my dad. And The Untouchables is a movie about Al Capone. It's about, you know, the guy, like, how they brought him down and stuff like that. Really, really good movie, dude. It's starring Robert De Niro. Um, it's it's awesome. But, yeah, like, this this looks this looks good. I mean, like, I, I don't really have that much of a handle on it. The trailer's not amazing. Like, the trailer doesn't give me... Enough to chew on, I think. Um, it it honestly looks like a VOD, and I've just had a look uh, right now, well, and it is a VOD movie. It's coming out on VOD May 12, twenty twenty. So I, I just realized when um in the trailer when they have like they have three logos pop up. One of them is Red Box Entertainment, something we don't have here in Australia. As far as where do we? We don't have Red Box, do I, we? I don't. I don't think so. Yeah. Um. I know it's a big thing in the states, but um. Yeah, yeah. Um, look, something that really sticks out to me is that this does not feel or look like a Josh Trank film, because um, everything he's done before is like kind of sci-fi kind of. Yeah, you know? I don't, I don't really have a handle on his particular style yet. I mean, so like I, other than Chronicle, you know, Chronicle, and then like Fantastic Four. Like yeah, I don't really before, have a handle on it yet. Before Chronicle, he also did like there was like a viral Star Warsy, um, like found footage type thing he did on YouTube. Um, but yeah, generally he has like a lot of blues. He has a lot of, you know, but like, it's cool to see a director step out of what's clearly their comfort zone. Um, I think the prosthetics on Tom Hardy are a little, how's it going? Um, I, 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 I like that we get, um, what's his name? What's the guy from Gotham and OC? Um, that motherfucker's in it. I can't remember his name, but I like I his face. I can't remember his name, yeah. I like, I like his, his face, <laughs> so I'm happy he's in it. Yeah, it's a good face, man. Mickey from t- Shameless is in it as well, like if you're a Shameless fan. Mm. So it's a it's a, it's a a solid film, and I'm just really happy that he's doing a- It's a solid trailer. Not a film. Yeah. Not it's- um, yeah. No, no, no. no. It's, like, it's, a, it's a real- It's not like a cheap oh, oh, indie thing. Okay. I was Got legitimately you. scared he would like not do like- big budget stuff again after all well, that. I, I realized that I've been following this for a, a, a while now and I'd never realized that it, it, it the original title for this film was actually called Fonzo. Oh, um, really? And then they changed it to Capone. And we'll be talking about another movie later that I was following uh, and I didn't really realize that it changed its title and I was like, oh, that's that. Okay, <laughs> cool. But, wow. yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I'm loving this shot of the croc between his legs and, um, yeah, I know. Uh, Truce, I, I don't really know much about the Capone story, so I'm well, actually pretty interested to check this one out. Here's a little fun factoid. Um, uh, big time murderer, right? My boss. Yeah. But he was eventually convicted on tax fraud. Right. Yes, I have heard that before. Because yeah. they couldn't they couldn't find a thing to nail him down on, so they got him on right, that. Right, exactly. And like, you know, he was, he was up- operating during the whole bootlegging era. 
Right. Okay. Right. Prohibition era. Sorry. Right. Yeah. Right. That's that's cool. Um, I, I just want to say one last comment on this, and I might be like yelled at for this by people, but like I'm losing a little bit of faith in Tom Hardy as a lead actor. How um, dare you! No. I know, but like when you think of all his best roles, he's a supporting actor. Um, and I, I know this is going to be a lot more serious than Venom, but Venom put a bad taste in my mouth for um, Tom Hardy. So I, I can't believe even though I do Venom know again. he's a, although I do know he's a great actor, so I want him to bounce back with this one. Um, had to had to sneak in my fortnightly Venom reference. I'm sorry. Yeah, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get into our reviews, man. Every year, these liberal elites kidnap a bunch of normal folks like us and hunt us for sport. The last I heard, free speech still exists. Don't First Amendment me. It wasn't real. Everybody get out of here! We were joking. Okay, so I saw The Hunt. Uh, as previously mentioned, I paid $20 for it um, and had it for 48 hours. Oh, man, this movie. Where do I start? Okay, so um, this movie... Uh, you know what? I, you know I what? hate it. What? Controversy a good movie does not make. Um, I feel like the controversy for this movie, um, it's so weird, right? Because one of the pieces of controversy that came out about it was... So it was coming out during the, the whole era when like school shootings were kind of happening a lot and it was a big deal. And this movie is about people who <laughs> hunt other people and kill them. And so that caused a little bit of controversy. But um, what a lot of controversy had is a lot of, um, uh, how do I say this? A lot of right wing leaning po- uh, political people were offended that the concept of this film has a lot of left wing type people hunting these right wing type people in politics. Uh, but then you get the movie and it's actually kind of making more fun of left-wing type people. So it's a perfect storm of pissing off two sides of a political spectrum. And it's fucking shit. It's, it's a, this movie is a political satire. But I use the word satire with a question mark because it's a, it, I don't feel like the filmmakers understand the concept of satire very well. So they're not doing a great job of making anything. So, so basically, it, it, it ties a lot into... A lot of the politics um, based around like, you know, America's got going on right now, especially from its time period, which is a couple years ago. And there's a lot of quotes directly lifted out of like Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. And they're using these other people and they do not fucking apply to the situation. Um, think of the whole, you know, Donald Trump always saying uh, this is a witch hunt. The left, like these left wing media is out to get me. Well, this is literally a situation of uh, like left-wing liberal sort of type rich people literally going out of the way and hunting and murdering a bunch of like quote-unquote rednecks um, for reasons of, oh, you don't believe in climate change? We'll kill you. You do this, we'll kill you. You're racist, we'll kill you. And it's but it's from told from the perspective of these right-wing people, but the movie is also making fun of them. So it's trying to make fun of everybody and satisfying no one. And so, yes, this movie is attempting to be a comedy. I like to describe it as um, um, ready or not, except shit. (laughs) 
Um, it's very similar to Ready or Not in the concept of you see the people kill the killers and you meet the killers. In fact, you meet them before the victims and you meet the victims. So, you know, all these various different characters on both sides and it's told through a more comedic perspective, but it's a lot less horror, a little bit more thriller. Um, but the comedy is falls so flat. Like I can tell when they're making jokes, but like often it comes out of nowhere and sometimes it makes no sense. Like the, the worst part is there's this actor, I forget his name. He's the, he's the chubbier guy from My Name is Earl. Um, he plays who I think Ethan is a parody. Suffolk. Yeah. I think he's a parody on um, Alex Jones because he has like a right wing podcast and it comes with conspiracy theories and stuff. Black uh, helicopters. Exactly. You know, they turned the freaking frogs, Gary, that guy. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, yeah. Um, I think he's meant to be a parody on him, but it's not obvious enough to be sure about it. Anyways, at one point, they meet a bunch of refugees who are trying to escape and he accuses them of being crisis actors, which is a clear point at like how like the right wing media was going after the kids who who survived the, those school shootings and stuff. Um, and it's like it comes out of nowhere. It's like, dude, no human being would talk like this. And it's, you haven't even got set up to get to this punchline. It, it's not funny. And what makes it even more ridiculous is it turns out he's right, which is even more absurd. It's like, how do you make it even dumber? They did that. Although it is fo- followed by the best joke of the film where after saying he's going to blow a guy's dick off, he puts a grenade down those guy's pants and he explodes. And that's the ep- epitome of the comedy of it. Um, This movie, like, look, they also have a, they have a good cast, but they're not used well good at all. I mean, you have fucking... You have Glenn from Always Sunny in Philadelphia, and he drops pretty much no jokes. Like, his character is, doesn't have a lot of jokes to say, and he's probably the most known comedic actor in there. We also got, um, what's his name, um, from Cock Blockers. Um, his name will come I, to me I, in a sec. Ike Barinholtz. Ike Barinholtz, yeah. He's in it, and, like, he doesn't have any jokes either. He's actually, he's trying mostly to be scared in his scenes, but he doesn't really have anything any jokes to say. And there's a lot of big names in this film, but a lot of them have maximum two or three three scenes. Like they really just wrote them in to be cameos. Uh, The film is sort of carried on, is tried to be carried by Betty Glippen, who I mentioned in the last podcast. I really liked in Coffee and Cream, Uh, but she's not used well here either. The whole film, she plays really quiet, like always on the verge of crying character, which like, it's it just it's like why'd you get her to do that? And she's uh, uh she's not great in this film, and she has potential to be great. This woman keeps being in the shittest fucking films, and I know this so this lady. I honestly believe she has potential to go for a fucking Oscar one day. I can see it. I just get this vibe about her. She's a fucking great actress, but she keeps being in some of the shittest fucking movies of 2020. Um, from this to uh, The Grudge and she got ter- and there was the terrible review but I kind of liked it Coffee and Karim I feel really bad for her and like the list goes on with just actors who are not really used well um, I don't really have many positive things to say about this film like it fails at comedy it fails as a comedy it fails as a political satire it Isn't fails- it meant to be a thriller? I thought it was meant to be a thriller um, well, Yeah it's advertised as a thriller but it's got way more jokes than thrilling scenes um at the jokes just they fall flat like randomly too like people just start pulling funny faces out of nowhere it's really bizarre um but yeah and the thriller aspect of it like maybe just the tone of it's pretty fucked up (sighs) yeah like the whole tone is like swing and a miss it's the closest thing i can think of it to is ready or not because that's kind of a horror film but the comedy takes more preference uh 
more emphasis and it's kind of got a similar structure of the story and similar premise except ready or not is so much better than this film um i'm gonna have to give it i think a look i'm gonna give it a four because there has it has these little glimmers of decentness where they've got an overreact you know i'm not i'm gonna give it a three because it'll have these over-the-top kills but they're always shorthanded them like there's this one where someone gets thrown and they land like like a giant spike goes through them on the ground and like pull me up and like no you're bleeding and I'm scared and she's like oh don't be a snowflake and it's like what the fuck are you who the fuck talks like that like not even people who use that language would use it in that situation um it's it's such a swing and a miss yeah. and i can what i find interesting about it though i'll, I'll just learn this is um I was reading a bit about the behind the scenes for this, which, you know, I love that sort of stuff. And they're like, apparently there's rumors that it was originally called Red versus Blue. And that wasn't, you know, there are some denies, uh, denies about that. And then apparently it got like, there are multiple reports of like, apparently there was like a test screening where it really did terribly. But um, Blum came out and they were like, nah, it did really good. People liked the political aspect. They liked all that stuff. But all these reports coming out that people didn't like it. And so it kind of makes sense why they were so easy, happily to shelve it. Cause I think they kind of knew that this would have problems. Um, and maybe releasing it during this period was actually a smart move, um, financially for them, but it's, um, it's not good. I do not recommend it. There you have it. <laughs> There's the hunt. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. All right, man. Like that wasn't one I was, I was probably not going to say anyway. So I'm fine with that. Um, and you know what, like, it's just a, it's one of those situations where I'm like, okay, there's controversy around this movie and it's just the controversy that's keeping this movie alive. Once the controversy dies down, the movie will die and here we are. It's dead. Yeah. Dead and right. I, I, I will point out, um, there's a, there's an actress in this, um, it's Emma Roberts, the, the blonde one. Yeah. I think it's Emma Roberts. Um, yeah, it's Julia Roberts' uh, wh- uh, niece. That's right. Yeah. When she came up on screen, my girlfriend got really excited. Goes, oh, she's great. I've seen her in a lot of stuff. She's, she's really good. Scream four. Yeah, that's where I've seen her. That's where yeah. I've seen her. Fuck yeah. yeah. Anyways, I'm like, oh, okay, cool. And then she literally dies like ten minutes later. Yeah. And, and like, yeah, it's like, oh, okay. And that kind of just sums up this film for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Uh, how about how about we move on to another movie? How about we move on to Jay and Silent Bob reboot? <laughs> All right, you motherfuckers. I know you're in there. Come out. Right now! Stop the motherfucking plan! This son of a bitch doesn't have a dick! He's got a fucking dick! He just got a tough dick! Identify yourselves, motherfuckers! I'm Jay, and this my head will life made Silent Bob! Uh, Zahab, I know you are a diehard Kevin Smith fan. I also like Kevin Smith. Um, what are your thoughts on this film? I am a diehard Kevin Smith fan. <laughs> uh, I actually just signed up to his, uh, like he just launched a new kind of like podcasting platform. Like he's been podcasting since 2007, dude. Like he was one of the biggest. No G. Yeah, yeah, the first, yeah, the first big like celebrities to actually get into podcasting. So he's got like right a there whole- with um. Tom Green and Joe Rogan, I would right, say. Yeah. Exactly. One of the yeah, OGs. I think Rogan started after him, actually. Um, so, like, he's got a whole, like, archive of, like, shit. And he's just like, all right, I need a place to put this. I'm just going to put it behind a paywall. And I signed up to that paywall. And, um, yeah, I'm loving it. So, yeah, Kevin Smith, man, might be one of my favorite celebrities of all time. I love this guy. Just he's so positive. Um, I love the I love the way he talks about things. He's so he's such a great 
great storyteller in terms of, I'm not going to say film-wise, but in terms of like actual public speaking-wise, <laughs> he's a great storyteller. Um, he is He is really, when he tells a story on his podcast or live, he's got some fucking good stories to tell. He uh, does. He 100%. does. Absolutely, dude. Um, so, yeah, I kind of like fell headfirst into Kevin Smith pretty pretty heavily. Um, and, you know, I'm, a, I'm actually a pretty big fan of Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, which is the 2001 film that he did. And, you know, that this movie is kind of like a sequel to it. So I was like, all right, you know, this is going to be like, it's going to be interesting because, you know, I'm hearing like all the teasers that Kevin does like on, on Fat Man Beyond and stuff like that. Um, you know, it's kind of interesting to see how far he's come. Like since two thousand one, um, he's had a he's had a child who's grown up now to be a, a young actress. He's gone through a heart attack. He's literally died and come back. Um, you know, we sadly lost Stan Lee, which is a massive thing for him. Um, his podcast grew. He worked on multiple films. He even worked on a studio film. The only studio film he's ever done is called Cop Out with Bruce Willis. Um, <laughs> I don't mind Cop Out. I haven't seen it in a long time. I I'll know tell you what. I'll tell you. I'll yeah. tell you a little short story. He hates Cop Out. That's why. Yeah, I, I know. I know. Yeah, that's why. Uh, <laughs> um, when when they find out that uh, Kevin Smith is directing Jay and Silent, oh, sorry, um, you know, Blunt Man and Chronic, they're like, oh, that guy who did Cop Out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've yeah. always loved his stories about Bruce Willis as well. Um, yeah. Actually, I, I probably like him more than public. the movie. But yeah. that, that scene with the kid in the stealing the car is always fucking good. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, you know, like this movie, dude, uh, I think you'd need to be a fan of Kevin Smith and I think you'd need to be not a diehard fan but at least a fan. I think you'd need to be up with all of his movies, like not just Red State, not just Yoga Hoses, not just Clerks. You'd need to be – I think you'd need to be up on all of them to kind of understand – um, because he throws so many references in here to his life and like to to people around him that it's just it's kind of astounding. Like this might be one of the most meta movies I've ever seen. Like it's it's absolutely insane. Like the the scene where did you understand the part where he goes up to um uh, like they they want to fly to Hollywood and she's like oh sorry no you're too fat to fly. Do you understand that? I guess he was too fat to fly. Yes. <laughs> well, in real life, so South Southwest, this was a very public thing as well, a public incident. Southwest Airlines, uh, he sat down uh, on a flight. Uh, he even bought the seat next to him. This was back when he was, like, huge. Um, and basically Southwest told him to get off the flight. And, like, he had, like, a massive, like, uh, argument with them on the plane and stuff like that. Like, you know, they said, if you can't bring the armrests down, then you can't uh, you can't fly on our planes. But it, quite clearly he wow. could bring the armrests down. Up. Yeah, so that was like a massive thing and like that was a big, like a huge thing. And then, you know, it, it, the movie goes into his weight loss and things like that and how he's a vegan. Um, it's it's actually, this movie, <laughs> it's a screwball comedy and I should not like it. I should not like it at all. Like I, I feel like I should watch this movie and just be like, ugh, I hate this thing. But me being the person that I am and knowing what I know about Kevin Smith and like how he feels um, now that he has a daughter, now how he feels uh, post heart attack and like his new outlook on life and stuff like that, I this movie just was touching, dude. Like this movie got me. Like I I didn't cry, but I thought I was going to. And the scene where it happened was um, with Ben Affleck scene. That Ben Affleck oh, scene. Okay. That scene. Oh, oh, yeah. That's not the that, scene I thought you were going to say. No way. But well, it's a good scene, scene, though. It's a good scene. That scene in particular was huge because Kevin Smith talks about, you know, he always gets questions 
because uh, Smith uh, produced Goodwill Hunting, which and uh, Matt Matt Damon and Ben Affleck and Oscar, and then you know like Matt Damon was in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, he was in Jersey Girl, and then after he stopped working with Kevin Smith, they kind of like they didn't really have a falling out. They just kind of stopped talking, and like this, you know, decades passed, and Kevin Smith thought that he had done Ben Affleck some wrong because Ben Affleck hadn't been talking to him, he hadn't been returning his messages and stuff like that, and then like something happened and it was it was huge i think it was actually the heart attack and ben affleck just kind of like came like you know like came and saw kevin and he's like dude i i I haven't held a grudge against you like like anything like it's just been i don't know like i've just been like wrapped up in my own life you know we've grown out of this blah blah blah. so i don't know like just him delivering the dialogue that kevin smith has written um it was just i don't know it was touching and especially because in that scene the girl that plays the daughter is Jason Mewes' actual daughter, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. Like, it's it, it's it's a lot of that. Um, if you watch this, I wouldn't show this movie to my dad, um, only on the basis that, you know, I, I'm sure he'll like it if he knew Kevin Smith stuff, but only on the basis that he doesn't know Kevin Smith stuff. I wouldn't recommend this movie to anyone who is not a Kevin Smith fan um, or, or who does not know even the slightest bit about Kevin Smith. So... That being said, I think this movie is about a six, but if you're a Kevin Smith fan, it's about a ten. Honestly, I fucking love this movie. <laughs> um, I think the I think the jokes and the little like um, the little hints and the little nudges are just so well perfectly placed. Um, you know, it's kind of astounding to see how many relationships that Kevin Smith has built since since two thousand one. Uh, you know, between Chris Hemsworth or Dave Dosmolchen, um, like just the the range is just incredible. Like how many people are in this movie? Um, so, so like, hey, before yeah. you before you end your review, can I just ask you um, to to do what I I'll sometimes do for Marvel films? Can you give it me two scores? One you judging it as a movie, and one judging it as a fan? Because I'm I'm interested, like like in terms of how it services the fan service and how much like it touches you in that way. Like if you're completely ignoring your whole critical look at it and reviewers perspective. And then one, when you do it, like I assume six out of 10 is you looking at it like more critically as like a, like a podcast reviewer, right? Would you say it's yeah. judging too? Both. Yeah. No, no. I'd say about, like if I was, you know, if I didn't have like my whole fanboy hat on, it would be a six. <laughs> um, but I do have my fanboy hat on and like, I can't take that. <laughs> I mean like you need to watch this movie with that hat on. Like, you okay, know, yeah, good feel, point, like, good point. Like, okay, Kevin Smith yeah. knows who he made this movie for and, mm. and like, he, he didn't make it for critics, you know? Like, he didn't make it for people who are going to, like, review him in the Wall Street Journal. But that being said, I think it's, like, I think it's sitting in, like, 65% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is pretty good. So, um, yeah, like, as a fan, it's probably about a nine. I do think uh, Jane Silent Bob Strike Back is a little better. Um, okay. But nice. I... Like I think that's only because that movie is more of an outright comedy. This movie is a bit more, a bit more of a of an introspective look at like how lucky he is to be alive, and that's yeah. that's where I'm going to leave it. So yeah, cool. Um, my review is from a bit of a different perspective, <laughs> but like, look, I am I'm a fan of Smith. I'm not a diehard fan. I like um I like his podcasting. Um, although again, I'm not a avid listen not listening every week but i do listen a lot i like him as a personality and his work with i like imdb and like dc and all that stuff he's done as like a host i like him as a presenter and a host and i i, I do like 
a few of his films. Like I just watched Dogma not long ago, and I thought that was pretty decent. I thought Dogma's it was right. great. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. It's, I'd probably say it's one of his stronger films. I think Cop Out wasn't that bad. Like I think it's got a few standout scenes which make which like save it from being. You clerks know, is complete. amazing, dude. Yeah. You gotta watch and Clerks. And yeah, Clerks. You no, know, I have. Um, both Clerks are great. I think especially for their for its time, like that um scene. I can't remember if it's from one or two, but the one where he's like um the Lord of the Rings bit. Where he's walking. Yeah, that's like, the second one. one to, yeah, like like that's an iconic scene, you know. Um, but I think too, like as time goes on, comedy evolves, you know. In the eighties, puns were were pretty big, and that was popular. Nowadays, we call it dad jokes because it's not really as cool, but it's still kind of cool. Like nowadays, it's all about dick jokes. I think the early two thousands, late nineties, a lot of fart jokes and toilet humor is pretty big. Like I think though, a lot of this reference humor he's using, it was so it was kind of innovative and new when he was first doing it in the earlier films, but a lot of it feels really forced in this movie, and that's where I start not liking. Like there's, there, there are times where like the reference to me, just a quick it question, doesn't. Just, yeah. Sorry, have you seen the first Jan Silent Bob? Strikes Back. Yeah. Um, long, long, long time oh, okay. ago. Because I feel like um, if you're not if you're not familiar with that, then you won't like this. I, like some I, of the I could jokes get are like most of the references. Mirrors. I could get a lot yeah. of the references, and I could see I, I probably missed a lot. Like I'm not gonna lie, I probably missed a lot, but I picked up on some. Um, but like a lot of the references, I mean, not to his work, I mean to other shit. Like like there's a part early on in the film, and this is not the best example, but it's a example. With like, oh, I go to Hollywood. And he's like, oh, yeah. And they quote do a quote from Star Wars, like, and a full scum and villainy and all that. It's like, well, Star Wars has nothing to do with that. Like, you're just, you're just putting in a reference for the sake of it. Like, I'm not laughing seeing that. Uh, it's like going, oh, dude, hey, you I saw that. I laughed at that. <laughs> but, but when you get oh, 10 of them back shit. to back, like, and it's not like you're not even comparing them well. Like, it just, it just feels so forced. It doesn't feel organic to me. And I get it. The characters, like, comic book fans... And I think some of them are great. Like there's a there's a great one near the end I loved where um he's like the iron bob and he's like, oh, I can't wait to the Fuko pop of that. That's fucking funny. Cause not only is it funny, it's like, oh hey, I do also want to see that. That'd be cool. Like I love like so I think like some of the references like, land for me. Did you like the like, one where he's like um where he's like, Yeah, who would pay who would pay money to see a Jane Silent Bob movie? And they look they all look at the screen <laughs> and Kevin does that like wink. Oh, I, yeah, I, like I love that. For shit, me, though. like I've seen that joke done before though. In Jane Silent like, Bob Strike Back, like that's where they got it. Like it's literally like they, they kind of like mirror okay, their If jokes. it's a reference, yeah. like you know, but I'm not I'm not laughing hard at that. Like I don't find that a big laugh. You know, like I'm not gonna be mad at him for doing that. But like it's not exactly super creative and this kind of ties in like one of my bigger problems is for a movie that's constantly ripping on reboots for being uncreative and lazy a lot of the first half of this film i'm going to get in the second half a lot of the first half of this film i think is pretty kind of lazy because they they give you an argument constantly which a lot of people have done is that reboots are just hollywood just trying to rehash a blah blah we all know that we all know the conversation and they keep just doing that while also doing the same thing. And I get it. That's meant to be the joke. It's meant to be ironic. But when almost like every second scene is like that, it starts to get really tiring for me. And it's like sometimes like there's one where they do it well, where like he's like, he's talking about how his daughter's a reboot of his mom uh, or her mom or something. It's like, okay, I can, I can, I can get that. Cause it's like, you're comparing things, but um, 
I, I don't know. I feel like it's a bit overdone. And the uh, my other problem, a lot of my problems are in the first half of this film, I'm going to say. Um, there are some, like, cringy scenes, I felt. Like, the the, tater, the hater tot scene and the... And um, in particular was one that stood out for me. And then the, the, what followed after it when they're in the um, the the fast food place and they have, um, what's her name, the chick from Garfunkel and Oaks, um, whatever, I forget. Ah, uh, 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 she was in um, Scrubs. Whatever, it doesn't matter. Like there's a few scenes like that. And like what they'll do a lot of the time is they'll do a setup, punchline, and then they explain the punchline. And it's like, man, if your editor was just, could just cut out some more shit, like he is you can make editor. this film so much snappier. <laughs> Well, that's the thing. Like, I think, I think, and I, well, I know at least it was a writer. I didn't realize it was the editor as well, but it explains a lot because like with a studio film, you'll have a lot of people in the way trying to make, like correct you from self-sabotaging a little bit, you know? And I think Kevin might've been um, a bit insecure about his writing. So he might've, I, I'm just guessing here. I don't know if I can know the guy, but I feel like he might've been a bit insecure about some of the references or some of the humor. So you might've felt like you had to over explain some of it or, 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 or put some of it in just to like, uh, like to support the joke. But I feel like with a joke, it's, it, you got to take a gamble every time whether it hits or misses. So some of these scenes just felt way comedic scenes. just felt way too long for me. And at times I couldn't tell if it was just bad writing or bad improv or, or both. And there's a few scenes that I kind of really cringed at that. Like another example was like um, when they find out her name, it's like, oh, Millennium Falcon. Oh, like Star Wars. Yeah, like Star Wars. We know it's from Star Wars. Like you don't have to have every fucking thing explained. But um, I'm going to I'm gonna like get into the good shit now. Um, uh, oh, and also I think the worst offender was at the end, the villain who's like the Chinese girl ends up being Russian. Um, she's up there for like what feels like a thousand years explaining her evil plan it's like you don't need we don't need this much detail we get it you're bad um but like but is the movie making fun of that um no because it doesn't ever make a point of being like oh hey you're spending too long talking she's just she's explaining like oh i i I went through all this works where i could find these four girls this was your character flaw this was your character flaw this is your character flaw this is your character flaw and that's how i was able to manipulate you and and it keeps going on and on it's like you could have cut a good five minutes out of the scene and it still would have been the same uh, i felt like in the that, that sort of stuff is like what weighs down this film from being a lot better for me so much of the kevin's i do think this movie would have been more easily enjoyed by a hardcore kevin smith fan um, obviously, because there are a lot of references. I think I picked up on a lot of them. Um, maybe I definitely didn't catch all of them, I, I think. But um, I caught a lot of them, and I think a lot of them were kind of cool. I think the fact that the way he was able to use the convention to ham, ham in a lot of cameos and stuff was great. I, I really enjoyed the, the little we got of Chris Hensworth. He just came off as so natural. I feel like a lot of the more experienced actors, too, like did a lot better with their dialogue. Like Ben Affleck's scene was also really great. Um, but, uh, so, so going to the, the really good shit, um, uh, the, the best stuff obviously was the stuff between Jay and Millennium Falcon, the, the daughter, uh, Harley Quinn's character. Um, I should have seen this coming a mile away. I kind of didn't, but like, there are some touching scenes. Um, and there's a couple of them in the third act. Um, and they're all legitimately really good. Um, I, I, I'm not, I didn't cry or anything. I, I cried during the next film we'll talk about, but, um, they were pretty, pretty well done. And it kind of took me by surprise because halfway in this movie, 
I'm not going to lie. I was thinking of like, stop watching it. I was getting, I was kind of really not enjoying it. And then these came out of fucking nowhere. I'm like, oh shit, hang on. This movie might be good. And the whole third act, honestly, some of the best jokes are in the third act. The best character work is in the third act. Um, I even like how they wrapped it up at the end too. Like not just the credits with the outtakes, but like how they're at the front of the store there and, um, and look there and he's like, he's like, oh, I don't know much about being a dad, but I know a lot about like being outside of this store. So let me tell you about what goes on here. And like, that makes sense to that character. And, um, honestly, I wish the rest of the film was, as, was, it was tied to that stuff maybe a bit more deeply because what I started to realize is like, I've seen Kevin direct shit like this before on the flash and that was fucking good too. And I'm just thinking like, I wonder if like, I want to, I'm curious to see Kevin direct a drama now. I know that's not what his core fan base wants to see him do, but he he did really well. That's Red with State. those scenes. Um, oh, I haven't seen Red State. Is that good? Yeah, it's good. Okay, I got to watch that then. Um, so yeah, and like all that stuff kind of saved it for me. Um, I think I'm gonna land on a. Um, you know, I'm gonna agree with you. I'm gonna say six. I'm gonna say six because while a lot of the there were jokes that did land, there were some scenes that were definitely weren't great, but like. That third act really turns things around. I love the emotional stuff, the character work, and I love the... Um, I like the shorter cameos too. A lot of them are really great. But um, oh, there was a few scenes that just felt like bad Saturday Night Live sketches. Well, that's but, fair um, enough. I mean, like, if yeah. you... I think if you had watched Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back first, like, kind of like back-to-back with Reboot, like, tonally they make... Like, they're, they're basically, like like, mirrors of each other. Like you yeah, know, like I think Smith kind of like set out to make a film that was like that that felt like a two thousand one film with this. I, I think I think you are right, and I think that could be part of the approach and part of also like who he is. We got to. Uh, I'm we, sure we got to move on eventually. Yeah. soon. like yeah. And I grew up with it. I probably like it more. But yeah, let's move on uh, real quick. Let's talk about onward. In times of old, the world was full of wonder and magic. But times change. I'm a mighty warrior. Morning, Mom. Hey, birthday boy. By the laws of yore, I must dub thee a man today. Kneel before me. That's okay. I have a gift from your dad. He just said to give you this when you were both over 16. (gasps) No way! It's a wizard staff. Dad was a wizard. What? Your dad was an accountant. This spell brings him back. For one whole day, Dad will be back. What? Back? Like back to life? That's not possible. It is with this. I'm going to meet Dad. Onward. Um, really fucking good. Um, I'll, I'll, I'm going to speed through this one a bit quickly. But yeah, really good. Um, it's a quick story about... Um, uh, it's an interesting take because when I first heard of it, it's like, oh, it's just going to be like bright. Uh, no, what they did is like the, the the idea is like, hey, everything you see in Dungeons and Dragons and stuff, that was all in the past, but magic was really hard to do. So people um, turned to technology instead and people have forgotten about magic a little bit. Um, and the concept is um, Tom Holland's character and Chris Pratt's character are brothers. Um, Chris Pratt's character is like a big Dungeons and Dragons guy, except the difference is like Dungeons and Dragons. They call it something else, but I'll call it D&D. D&D was like based, it's historically accurate. And pretty much no one else gives a shit about that stuff. Um, but turns out um, their father on the, said on their 16th birthday, um, he gave him a spell and some stuff they can use spell to like bring him back to life for a day. But they fuck up the spell and he comes 
back as just legs. And they've got to go on a big magical quest um, through a world that doesn't want to be magical um, to like finish the spell before sundown or they won't be able to meet their dad. And it's a really, really heartfelt, emotional story about a kid who never met his dad and just wants to like meet him because he's got this one chance um, and has to overcome all his fears and stuff. It is very run-of-the-mill by Disney. It is very, It sticks really close to the hero's journey. But it ends with a very powerful message, and it is really good character work. I cried like a little bitch at the end. All Pixar films do this to me, and this was no different. I cried like crazy. Um, one of the big differences, though, I noticed from most Pixar films is it wasn't very comedic. Like, they didn't have a lot of jokes in like intentionally, though. Like, it was just more just like an adventure film, um, which I, haven't re- I don't, can't remember the last time I think Pixar did something like that. There's a few jokes here and there, but comedy is not their first approach. Um, and that's not a bad thing. It's just something different, which that maybe Inside Out. Me. Inside Out was a bit uh, of an adventure. Yeah, that, that, uh, did that have much comedy in it? I, I I can't remember much about that film to be honest. I remember I liked it though. Um, but yeah, generally, like I feel like there's a there's a strong balance between comedy and the adventure sort of stuff in in Pixar, and this did not go for that. Um, which kind of when I realized I wasn't laughing as much, kind of took me by surprise. But it's it's good. Like it's not breaking the wheel for Pixar, but it's it's still a really good film. I'm gonna give it an eight out of ten. Um, nice, good score. And um, and yeah, like I I like the little twist they did on that sort of fantasy mythology. It was um it was pretty interesting, and uh, it's, it's very easy to recommend. Anyone with a Disney Plus account who wants to justify their purchase, that's a good watch. Nice. I might check it out eventually. That's yeah, good. Okay, now. Our last review for today, Extraction. Extraction, uh, a film which we talked about on last episode, and we were like, "Ah, eh, it'll be okay." And then you sent me a text saying, "Bro, Extraction is fucking lit." I'm like, "I know, <laughs> I just saw it." So yeah, we both kind of like this film. Uh, Dude, do you want to start? You want to kick things off? This was this was one of the biggest surprises I've had in the last few months. Like this was. <laughs> This was damn good, man. Like, holy shit. I was so quick, I was so quick to judge this movie, like, via a trailer. Um, but I guess, like, that's just the effect the trailer had on me. Like, I was like, I, oh, I don't know. Can I just say, before you get in your review properly, I just want to say, my first initial thought watching it, the opening scene had Chris Hemsworth on a bridge with his cars parked over in military gear, and I thought... Oh, this is like Sicario. It's not like Sicario, <laughs> but I saw this scene around me Sicario. I'm like, I think Zoheb will like this film. And that's me <laughs> seeing 30 seconds into it. <laughs> yeah, man. This this movie was fucking awesome. Um, very simple story, but it's a story that doesn't need to be like completely like complicated and stuff like that. But I mean, I think the true star here is the stunt work and the the way the action scenes are fra- uh, framed and and the way they 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 play out. Man, is this um, it, does Sam Hargrave, who's the director, have action chops? Like he's the hundred percent. He did stunt stunt work on the Avengers films and other various Marvel films. Um, and man, like this is just such a a Chad Stahelski, David Leach situation where they moved from Matrix to. Um, you know, do stuff like John Wick and Atomic Blonde. The 11 minute sequence where we get no cuts, there's definitely obviously oh. stitching and editing and masking, but man, is that like a sight to behold. And if you watch like the, the behind the scenes footage of that, of actually Sam Hargrave 
on a bumper, the front bumper of a car with a camera, like his head's like this close to the ground, dude. It's it's staggering how they filmed that sequence. Um, this movie, this movie is brutal. Um, I I wouldn't say it's like too brutal. I think this movie kind of like needs this amount of brutalness. <laughs> um, but yeah, like the I love the way like it seems the way. The, the way they carry their weaponry, the way they kind of like carry themselves, the, the 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 soldiers, the police in this, like feels very authentic. It feels very military-esque. Um, and it seems it seems so real. Like the way that Hemsworth is like, you know, walking through like this, this town square at the end, you know, with his silenced M4A1, which, by the way, is my Call of Duty loadout. <laughs> um, <laughs> It seems so authentic and it seems so so real. Um, like we've seen this story done plenty of times before. You know, Lone Wolf and Cub. We've seen it in Logan. Uh, basically, you know, the older the older guy protecting a child. You know, get him there from a point A to point B. We've seen this before, right? But it's um, this this movie like it. <laughs> It got me in the end. Like, I was like, oh, no, please don't show him standing there. Please don't show him standing there at the pool. And it, like, you know, it was the the right amount of blur and then it cut to black. And I was like, yes, thank fuck. <laughs> like, I don't want to see him standing there. Like, I just don't. I don't want to see that. Like, you know, make it make it so, you know, we, we think we see him or, we like, he's not there. Or, you know, this kid goes back to, like, living his life. Uh, under his like warlord father and he imagines him there like a, a better father figure like whatever make it ambiguous i like that shit um yeah this this movie was astoundingly good dude it's it's a it's, a, it's an action film from start to finish um by the way this was the other movie that i was talking about i was i was following this movie um earlier and it was titled Dhaka, d-h-a-k-a Dhaka. um that's right. the title yeah, that's the capital city of Bangladesh, which is where the movie's obviously set. This is a second film uh, produced by the Russo brothers under their new studio, uh, Agbo. Um, the first film was obviously Twenty One Bridges, which wasn't as good. But I like this trend. I like this. I like how they're giving these um, Avengers slash Marvel um, actors a chance to shine in in their own kind of like solo films. I love. I like what's what's happening here. Um, and and these films both feel like. I know they're like in between, like they're not B grade films, but they're not like triple A blockbuster billion right, dollar exactly. films either. Like yeah. they're they're like they're like big action films, right? Without being too small or too big, it's it's a nice. It's right balance. in the middle, yeah. yeah. It's it, it, and this is like written by Joe Russo, who I don't think has written anything before. So um, I, I just want to commend him for that as well because the pacing in this movie is pretty fucking solid. I, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't feel any any lag or any like slowing down or, or anything like that. I just I thought it was really, really solid. And Hemsworth does a, a good job, dude. Like he's not he's not playing the type of character that talks a lot. But when he does talk and like when he does have like interactions with this kid or um, you know like actual action chops, like he's he's fucking solid. This might be one of the best uh, Chris Hemsworth performances I've seen outside of Thor. So yeah, I, really, I, I agree with you. This is yeah. like his Snowpiercer. You know, yeah, like, exactly. Like, speaking of Chris, and like that surprised me. Yeah, really, really recommend this movie if you're an action film uh, junkie. Um, if you if you just want to, kind of like a breath of fresh air, right? Like, there's no ties to a sequel or anything like that. It's just a, a lone wolf, like single movie, in and out. You know, one mission, very simple, clear storyline. Um, 
and you just want to see some badass action, I recommend it highly, dude. Um, I'd give it a nine. I'm, I'm going to go high and give it a nine, dude. I was not expecting oh. to give a movie titled Extraction a nine. <laughs> um, yeah, this movie, I, everything Zoe had said, insert here. Uh, <laughs> what I will say to add to that is um, uh, the, one of the big characters of this film, which I had no idea this was going to be a part of the film, is the location. Um, this film is almost entirely shot in, uh, I think it's both India and Bangladesh. Desh, is that correct? And Thailand. And I Thailand. Think it's, I okay, think it's yeah. only filmed in Thailand, but it's set in India and Bangladesh. Oh, wow. Interest- interesting. Um, and like I've never seen like a non-Bollywood film, I think, do that, especially for this long. So it actually um, aesthetically is pretty refreshing um, and unique. And that's one of the elements that saves this from feeling incredibly generic. Um, cause there, it is a done, being there, done that storyline. Um, the, there are no dramatic scenes outside the action that really stand out heavily to me. There's like the cool shot of him meditating underwater and it's a shot of him jumping off the cliff. And there is an emotional scene, um, in the, around the middle point of the film. Um, but like, there's not a lot that stands out. Um, so, so the little things are, are what is what helps us elevate this film, and one of them for me is the is the locations, um, the incredible breathtaking eleven minute uncut action scene in the middle, uh, or maybe it's in the first no yeah around the middle of the film I think it's fucking incredible. I'm not going to say this is one of the best action films of the last decade, but I will say that is one of the best action scenes of the last decade. Oh, I, I think agree. hands down, what this film does really well. And I'm going to have to heavily compare this to John Wick here. Is that it? It finds its own way to emulate that style and put its own unique twist on it. So I watched after watching this, um, my girlfriend and I were like, "Oh, let's let's watch something else." And um, we watched John Wick three after this. And um, the difference is, it really struck me because John Wick moves a lot. He's a lot more faster and just more floaty. It's very. You know, you can tell very inspired by Hong Kong action cinema. While it still has this Delton's element of realism with the colors and, and everything. It's very stylistic. It's very flashy. This movie is... They replace the... There's still spectacle, but it's not like stylized flashiness. It's just more brute force. Like, I'm not going to go out of the way and say it's really realistic, but I think the key word you said was authentic. It feels authentic. And because you have a, an actor like Chris Hemsworth, who is so buff who is so tall who is so manly and muscular you feel the brute force behind every hit and it's really important in the um and both that scene and also the the opening action scene the the first one where he has to rescue the kid which is also a great highlight um if i had to criticize this film um which i will do because i'm reviewing on a fucking podcast um uh a few small things i think uh after that big action scene Nothing comes even anywhere close to it. I wish Ooh, by the I end. I don't know act, about that, dude. I disagree. Like, like the, <laughs> towards the end, the climax, it was it was cool, but it just it hadn't like compared to that big scene and that first fight scene he had. That were just so much more stylistically cooler to me, and I just wish there was like another thing like that towards the end. Um, but another highlight, actually, before I forget it, um, there's an actor. Forget his name. Um, I'll probably never be able to know it. But um, my girlfriend and I referred to him as Indian Terminator. Um, he was fucking cool. I would watch a film with him as the lead. His character's name um, is Saju. That's all I know. Saju, Saju. Yeah, 
shouts to Saji. He fucking like if he he stands toe to toe with Chris Hemsworth and gives him run for his money. It is cool. He is cool. Um, and the other thing is like. I wish this film touched on the child soldier aspect. Like one of his obstacles is he'll fight all these people who are always like way smaller than him too. But like, it's like numbers versus brute force. But there's like some scenes it's like child soldiers and I, and he doesn't want to kill them. You can, like he makes that obvious. Like they don't say anything about it. They don't really do much about it. But I, I wish there was some, I feel like it's a missed opportunity there. See, I, I, Here's the thing. I was thinking about the same thing initially. I, I, I'm glad they touched on it. But I'm glad they didn't give us a resolution because really, there's no resolution, dude. Yeah, and I I, I agree with you. I think um, it would be the wrong move to try and go. Oh, this is how we save the world. Like it's it's not. But I think there's some emotional element to core out of that, and I think it's uh, it's a it's a huge missed opportunity to just sort of skim over that. But still, really enjoyed the movie. It is a little bit of a slow burn, I think, in the beginning. And if you're not a fan of subtitles and you only speak English, this may be a big obstacle for you. Um, it wasn't for me, but it might be for some viewers. I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. Um, solid work by Chris Hemsworth. We basically didn't even need subtitles. My parents understood everything. Like, really? Yeah. Like, I <laughs> could have like, switched They used wrong grammar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, yeah, man, that's also, awesome. Also, um, Hopper yeah. from Stranger Things, right. uh, real yeah. quick. David um, I just want to say, I'm proud of myself. I didn't realize he was in the movie. When he showed up on screen, I'm like, I bet you within the next couple of scenes, he will turn out to be a bad guy and yeah. die. I mean, that's how it always is, right? I mean, if <laughs> they're seeking refuge. That's the way these stories yeah. work, yeah, but yeah. I'm happy. I called it out and my girlfriend got mad at me because she thought I'd already seen the movie and I liked her about it. <laughs> All right, dude, that's oh. extraction. We're going to move on to our MDF game. MDF game oh, fuck. I forgot about is <laughs> what is your favorite? Who who are your favorite comedic? Oh, sorry. What is your favorite comedic duo? Jesus Christ. Um, Matt, are we giving three each or one each? Oh, I only prepared one, but okay. I've got um, two. Um, but I've definitely got a number one. Uh, I've, you know, I've kind of got two. Like, okay. Let's go for two. <laughs> okay. Okay. My second choice is Lee and Carter from Rush Hour. Rush Hour trilogy. Oh, Ooh, yeah. spoilers! That is my first choice. Ooh, nice, <laughs> nice. Yeah, man. Um, Grew up with him. Huge Jackie. Ch- oh, yeah. sorry. Yeah. You- yeah, it's your turn. <laughs> oh, no, no. I was going to say, yeah, like, I'm a bit more of a casual Jackie Chan fan, but, I mean, like, me and my brother mainlined the first and second rush hour as we grew up, dude. Like, we loved that shit. Um, Carter, oh, my God. Is Carter fucking hilarious, He's so man. quotable. He's so fucking Insanely quotable. Insanely quotable, and I hate that Brat Ratner was the director on both of those movies because, yeah, that's not really a director we can talk about anymore, but... Um, yeah, man. Like- but you know what? Like he he did well for those films. He was the one who convinced Jackie Chan to speak English in those movies. That was his first yeah. time speaking English in a film. Like, and that that cultural divide, that cultural thing that he they managed to like fix and put together. Um, those are fucking two solidly funny as fuck films. Um, yeah, yeah. And they defined my childhood, so that's why I had to pick them. So that's your number one pick. Okay. Well, I was gonna guess yeah. your number one pick, but here we go. <laughs> Sorry. Well, I can guess yours. Um, you give us Should your I number two yours? first. Give us your number two first. Um, I'm going with Keen Peel. Um, oh, nice. So, so the thing that Keen Peel don't have compared to a lot of these others is a standout solo feature film of them being together. Like, there is Keanu, but it's not exactly on the same level as like Step Brothers and a lot of these. But I they actually so really like many- Keanu. I love that movie. <laughs> It's great, right? It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Um, so, uh, you want to wear underrated films, which we I should have brought this up in the previous podcast, but yeah, that was a good one. But um, I think uh, with Key and Peele, they have so many iconic sketches together. It is 
like they, they, I think if you put their iconic sketches side by side against iconic scenes of a lot of these other like comedic duos, they would stack up right against them, if not top a lot of them. So that's why Key and Peele are my top favorites. Nice, nice. Um, I'm gonna guess yours. Is that okay? I don't, yeah, I don't think you'll ever get it though. It wasn't in the. Is it uh, on the poll. list? It wasn't on the poll. I, oh. I I intentionally left it out, thinking that someone would add it, but no one added it. Okay. Um, lay it on me. Who is it then? Take a guess. You you you're, you're already in the hole now. You got a guess now. Oh fuck. Um, what's not on this list that you like? I'm gonna go with. Oh, is it um? Uh, what's his name? Ashton Kutcher and what's his face from Dude, Where's My Car? No. <laughs> no. No. Yeah, that's not your type of comedy, I feel. Uh, what is it? What is it? It is, well, the comedy, the, the duo is Jules and Vincent from Pulp Fiction. They don't fucking count. Why don't they? Pulp it's Fiction not a is, comedy film. It's a comedy, dude. It it won, a, um, it won, it was in the best comedy uh, thing for the Oscars. So there you go. Get it, fucked. It actually is a it actually is a comedy. If, this is a this is a um this is a, a constant like uh, argument that many Quentin Tarantino fans get into. But Tarantino himself never, has said this is news to me. Holy yeah. shit! Um, yeah, and if you look yeah, at that dialogue, I, dude, it's actually fucking hilarious. <laughs> no, no, they are funny. You are you are. It's it's interesting to point it out because they are funny. Um, they are iconic as shit. Um, I just don't consider that movie. A comedy. It's a movie with a lot of comedy in it, um, but uh, I would not have guessed that. That's. Uh, but you know what? I can see why. You know. Um, yeah. yeah. No. It's. Um, I. I absolutely think it's a comedy, dude. I. I. I don't think it fits under any other genre. If anything, <laughs> like it, I, I don't think it fits under drama. I don't think it fits under. Um, under Thriller, so yeah. Hang on, under that logic, do you consider um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood to be a comedy? Oh, I, I guess it's easier to call a comedy than pop yeah, fiction. Yeah, it's so. a comedy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, yeah, like, some, okay. Very. Some of, some of Quentin's movies are straight comedies. Some of them are thrillers, like Inglorious. I'd put more under a thriller thing than a comedy. Yeah. Um, you know, Kill Bill, even more of a thriller. Um, Django, yeah. definitely a thriller, action thriller. Uh, but yeah, things like uh, Pop Fiction. Uh, and, yeah. and, and Hollywood, 100% comedies for me, dude. You're kind of blowing my mind right now because when I think of comedic directors, I never think of Quentin Tarantino. I think he's, of him as like a- He's hilarious drama, but, with his dialogue, but man. But he does have a lot of like great comedy writing, yeah. great comedy performances in a lot of his- yeah. I can see why, man. Yeah, um, before it, we wrap this up um, and go to the after party, I just want to say real quick, um, they kind of don't count. Oh, Sorry. Wait, they don't count? No, 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 they do, they do. Oh. You, you count. But no, but something I wanted to say, but they don't kind of count. But um, uh, really big fan of the comedic works of, um, this is all on Netflix. Very this, very recently, there was Middle Ditch and Schwartz. Um, it's a three, it's a three, uh, it just came out on Netflix just the other week. And I've always been a big fan of Tom Middle Ditch and Ben Schwartz. They did a three, uh, three episode comedy special of just improv and they've always done improv over the years in so many other projects. They are fucking great together. And uh, that's very recent, which I loved. And I've, I've, I'm a big fan of, um, like John Mulaney and, uh, Nick Kroll's work in Oh Hello, which is also on Netflix. Definitely worth checking out. But again, those are comedy specials, not comedy. They're not fictional characters, so I feel like it doesn't count for this. But shout-outs to them. They're great. Nice. Um, well, let's uh, do you want to talk about the poll? Yeah, let's turn to our poll, dude. We got... Um, we I, I put up a few. I mean, like, if anyone is, like, you know, welcome to add, like, their favorite, uh, their favorite comedic duo because, I mean, technically they're never-ending. Like, there's just so many out there. 
Um, right at the bottom, we've got Jay and Silent Bob, right? Uh, Leon Carter, right, from Rush Hour. This is right at the bottom. Jenko and Schmidt from 21 22 Jump Street. Sergeant really Nicholas good Angel. movies. I know. Sergeant Nicholas Angel and PC Danny Butterman from Hot Fuzz. Uh, I don't know. Okay, Danny, Daniel Falch, you, you, you kill me with your choices every week, dude. Crap Game <laughs> and Oddball from Kelly's Heroes. I'm sorry, What Daniel. is that? What is that? I love you, Daniel, but goddamn. Uh, Bill and Ted from the Bill and Ted trilogy. Trilogy? Yeah, there's three movies. There's another one coming out. So. Yeah, um, almost a trilogy. You're saved. <laughs> yep. Marcus Burnett and Mike Lowry from Bad Boys. So that's your, that's your, th- those are the number four, tied for number four, right? Uh, tied for number three, uh, Lloyd and Harry from Dumb and Dumber and Dumb and Dumber 2. And Joliet, Jake and Elwood from the Blues Brothers. So there you go. Hmm. In second place, Brennan Huff and Dale Doback from Step Brothers. Hilarious. That was always going to be near the top. Right. And running away with it, dude. Right. Massive win is Sean and Ed from Sean of the Dead. Our, our our community has a very unique bias, and um, <laughs> I'm actually not surprised that <laughs> that got there. I'm actually not surprised um, as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Although, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's the same um, as the Hot Fuzz, so you could even add an extra vote on there, couldn't you? Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, um, yeah, look, yeah. man, like, I, I, I had to go with Vincent and, 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 and Jules. I mean... Just the, the dialogue that they're given to work with. I mean, the, the Ezekiel passage alone for Sam Jackson. Um, you iconic, know, them, iconic. Yeah, them talking about the uh, like the Royale with cheese, them talking about rubbing the foot rubs, um, whether it's sexual or not. Like, it's just it's just too much. Like, you know, I love it all. Oh. Awesome. Well, that's another episode of Midnight Double Feature. Um, I, was, I was just actually looking at that. I was just thinking, wow, this really ties closely into Buddy Cop. Which could be another right. one down the line. Um, yeah, I mean, but, like yeah. I, when I was when I put in the choices there, I had Mike Lowry and Marcus Burnett from Bad Boys. So I mean, like those those two buddy cops for sure, and Jenko and Schmidt from Twenty One Twenty Two Jump Street. Yeah, um, yeah. But anyways, um, thank you very much for hanging out with us for Midnight Double Feature. This upcoming trackers episode, as you can tell, we've just done the news, reviews, all that fun stuff. If you want to hear us talk about like a movie for like a long ass fucking amount of time. Uh, you should watch. You should listen to the feature presentations. We just covered Upgrade for three fucking hours. Yes, that movie goes for like an hour and a half, but we spent three hours talking about. Yes, That's how much we, we love that movie. Um, what's coming up next, Zoheb? Coming up next is Colin's pick. We are covering X Men First Class. Ooh, that is a fucking great film. Um, definitely my favorite of the newer X Men films. Maybe of all of them. Um, ooh, I don't know. Might controversial statement. Matt loves maybe, his controversial maybe. statements, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, yeah, I know Logan's pretty fucking good though. So Dude, I Logan's, know, it's, I mean, it's Logan. It's, I mean, come it's on, Logan. Yeah, it's Logan. <laughs> it's Logan. <laughs> <laughs> that is accurate. Um, but yeah, as we said before, please, if you like us, find iTunes. Go on there. Go find a review. Give us five stars, and we'll love you forever. You'll also be in the running to pick what episode we cover as a feature presentation. All for you. Plus, you'll get a shout out. What more could you want? Uh, and also, yeah, find us on Facebook, Instagram, um, you name it. We are there. And also join our community group if you want to be part of the MDF game and the after party on Facebook. Uh, that's it for today. That's it for this week. And we can't wait to see you guys next time. Be safe, be chill, and we love you. I'm Matt. That's Zoheb. Laters. Laters.